Welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show, right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Happy Libations Friday. Lucy Goosey. Ah, oh, it's good to be with you. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. There's Director Matthew in-house. Almost game day. Almost game day. Perfect as we build it up and get set for a good one tomorrow night. On Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. If you want to go follow, thank you for that and all that good stuff. All right, let's. You know, I just like the, just like the sounds. I was thinking about this on my way over, Tom. I like the sounds of a libations Friday in the fall. Just the. I'm talking about the legitimate sounds. I'm not. That's not the sound of the phrase, but rather the sounds. You know, we have talked before about an energy that exists in Tallahassee, Florida, when the team's good. When things are going well, in particular, I always like it if, you know, you have all the schools doing well. If Florida State's doing well, Florida A&M's doing well, TCC's doing well, high schools are doing well. It, it, it just kind of flows together nicely. The community feels enriched and uh, abuzz with energy. It's always exciting. Uh, but but back to Florida State for a second. When they're good, yeah, you, it just, just sounds better. Everybody's a little bit perkier on a Friday anyhow. But they're perkiest when the team's good. And uh, I that kind of translates to radios are a little louder, people are whistling in the stores. There's just a feel in the air. You know, I, I experienced that this morning getting a cup of joe. Well, there's anticipation. Yeah, the fact that, right. you know, the kickoff is tomorrow at 8 p.m., it, it, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard in those situations mm-hmm. to wait all day. I, I like it, you know, just from our workflow. Gives yeah, you a slight respite, yeah. We've got a pregame at 7, but that means that the 12 o'clock window is ours, and much of the 3 o'clock window is all ours because it's a road game, Correct. and we're here. Corey and Ira are up at NC State. So that part is good, but, you know, when you get to about the end of the first quarter of Red River tomorrow or um, is it Tennessee LSU is also a noon kick? I think it is. But you get to the end of the first quarter of those games, you just say, damn it, I just come on, let's go. Let's, let's be a part of this. And you've got to wait another six, seven hours. Yeah, it is um – it's, it can be tough because we're excited about a lot of games. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas is at noon, Tom. You know I care deeply about that. Those two teams are a mess. It's, as you said, t- Tennessee and LSU is a nooner. That's good for Tennessee that if you're going to travel to Baton Rouge, you're doing so at uh, noon and not 8 o'clock. LSU transforms sometimes into something else entirely at 8 o'clock yeah, at night. It's 11 local time, so they're going to be bleary-eyed for the first little while. Yeah, yeah. And Tennessee, by the way, is a team that starts better than most in the country. Uh, they do a lot of their scoring in the first quarter and they jump on teams and so might might be a little window into uh, a mindset of uh, betors uh, first half that kind of stuff with Tennessee they've been very very I, I researched some numbers recently on them they are phenomenal in the first half Hendon Hooker is just straight up right now perhaps a Heisman favorite if you look he's throwing over 17 of his passes, at least 20 yards downfield. He's completing 72% of his passes at over 14 yards per clip. Uh, he's good. Well, the thing was, earlier in his career at Tennessee, after the transfer, mm-hmm. there were situations where they schemed guys up that are open, he and hit him. there's nobody around him for 20, 25 yards, and he just would miss these well, players. He's not missing he's them He's not missing them anymore. Those right. yards were there. Now he's starting to get them. 70% of the time. I mean, he's. Yeah. I mean, that's. It works every time. It's a. It's an alarming rate. Uh, by the way, the fellow seven thirty eight o'clock window that we talk about is Texas A and M and Alabama. We will be locked in on Florida State. There may be a side TV, a little side eye over there at that other at that other game. Not during the watch along. 
No, I just mean for me personally. Yeah, no. Nah. Oh, I will. Because I've got money on it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I, <laughs> I will. Uh, you have a 3.30 in which I never thought I'd see the day that Auburn would be, as we go into this game now, a 30-point underdog in an SEC game. Sweet Jesus. Ryan Harson might as well just say, come on. You know you want to fire me. Let's go. Yeah, that's, Let's get to the firing. That's part of it. And I think also they're circling Georgia being pissed off for looking ahead. I mean, well, they're not looking ahead to Auburn from Mizzou. But whatever the hell that performance was, I'm sure practice wasn't pleasant in Athens this week. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Uh, they're not, interestingly enough, they haven't been getting good quarterback play at Georgia the last couple of weeks. So that's uh, that's interesting. There is a, uh, a side note there tonight. Uh, that night, by the way, second half late after our game ends, you may get a little bit on the Pac-12 network of that Oregon-Arizona game. Uh, also Washington State-USC. I'm talking about the night window now, what we have. It's always disrupted, obviously, if your game is the night game as well. But just some side notes of, of interesting games uh, to be played. For Florida State, it's an opportunity to go up to Raleigh and get a win against a team that you struggle to play up there. And also, just in terms of the matchup, I think is a bit of a struggle. You did a great job this week. This is your best one. Third and Lang, this is your best one. Really? Yeah, oh, okay. I think so. Um, Thanks. Yeah, this was a good one, buddy. On Warchant.com, folks should go read that article. Uh, third and Lang, NC State presents fundamental challenges for FSU football. If you're looking for it, click on that article and read it. And Also, I thought you did a good job of like grabbing the clips um, uh, to illustrate the point. I know you usually do, but they, they gave you some good ones this week. This is uh, it, Well, really, when you get the SkyCast, you yeah, know, and, and we'll get that. That helps a lot. That's uh, advanced notice, folks. If you're watching at home next week for FSU and Clemson, it's ABC. So you can go to watchespn.com and go get the SkyCast, which gives you a much better perspective. Much better perspective because you can always a lot of times you can see the safety, you know, and, and yeah. the safety play, yep. and that's the whole key because you're looking at what the quarterback's looking at, and you can have a better idea. You won't completely know what his first read is on a play, for example, but you'll understand a little bit more about why he goes where or where he should have gone uh, based on the looks. You get the entirety of that. That's what coaches, you know, when you get the all twenty twos, you hear. Analysts talk about that all the time, that it's awfully tough on television to know for certain where he should have gone with the ball or what he should have been reading. And then you see the all-22s and you go, oh, well, yeah, man, the safety walked down. This is pretty evident here. This is this is a pass. You know, this, So there's, there, there's all of that. But uh, it's kind of fun, uh, and, and you did a good job with it this week. I, I think more than uh, that, it's that you realize in watching those videos just – if you're not, if that offensive line is not in sync, if they don't have a good grasp uh, of of who's doing what and why, uh, you could be in real trouble here because NC State runs it well. They do. They do a good job with their defense. It's a it's a unique defense in the three three five. You don't always see it, but man, uh, it, it leads to some big big. Tackles for loss. Yeah, the thing is, it also leads to big plays if you can establish Correct. the jab with whatever that's going to be. And so you might want to tamp down your anger in the first quarter, folks. If we take some second and 11s and second and 12s, it They're might be setting for, it up. It might be for the greater good. Later well, in the they could be game. setting up that quarterback run to keep you know that you you highlight there because or the flow. They do overflow and look. You know, we harp on our linebackers, and especially after you get through the second guy in the two deep and say, "Why are you in the wrong gap? Why are Always. you? Why are your eyes in the wrong place?" NC State's guys' eyes are in the wrong place at the second level enough. They're there enough in the wrong spot that there are plays to be had. It's just that you've got to establish what it is your base is, counter against it, and hope that they are not better coached this week than they were against Clemson because you're going to hit some big plays if so. You know, I should have had the courage of my conviction yesterday on the program. Hey, Noel Kev, how are you? Dave Doran always looks sad to me, poor fella. 
<laughs> well, he's sad and rich, and he's got a team that's been pretty good the last couple of years. I think he's all right. Woo! Just a look he has on his face. Uh, thanks for the contribution. Good to be with you guys in the chat as well. I just now looked over there. If I missed anybody else, let me know, please. Uh, Doran did something interesting in his press conference on Monday that it's kind of loser blood talk. So when he was talking about the margin of the game, he boiled it down to, well, it's only a 10-point game. You know, if you look at the final score, it's a 10-point game, and if you look at this play and that play, we make those two, then that's easily going to make up for the margin. It wasn't a 10-point game, though. They got it to 10 in garbage time. Correct. Clemson had that thing on lock with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter at 31-13 or 30-13. I, I think it was... I. Clemson never really felt threatened in this game. No, and that's what I'm yeah, that's saying. The other that's part the of it, thing yeah. that a coach does when things aren't operating at peak and he doesn't like what he sees. He, he's looking for the moral victory in things, and I thought that was an interesting statement. Well, he's got a lot to look at for the season so far where he could be slightly disappointed. I mean, um, I'm sure he thought they were loaded for bear this year given the, the I, I think, the trajectory read for them to have a good chance to win the Atlantic and compete for the ACC title this year going into the season with the if you just if you couple the amount of experienced players snaps experienced quarterback and success to build confidence going into this season you really felt like NC State was the team in this division that could take out Clemson and or, or potentially take out Clemson certainly it's a if not now when kind of deal yeah. with how it lined up well and you know they beat him a year ago in double overtime as it were and all that but this felt like more of it would be legit, like okay we are gonna legit yeah. beat you oh you no know? I'm not talking about Clemson specifically I'm saying the Atlantic the ACC yeah, and maybe right, a playoff berth right. you know if you're ever gonna do it this is it with the trenches your experience there the quarterback play you, you lose a couple receivers but this is it man you've got a quarterback who's 35 and Three or thirty-five and five last year. Thirty-five and five, yeah, yeah. Touchdown interception ratio. Yeah, so I it just it didn't happen, and they've they've kind of sputtered and and then fits and starts. It's been strange for them, and um, I think he's probably really frustrated trying to find the answer. They all are on offense. Let's hope that we don't give them the tools to do it. Uh, it would be it would be upsetting. Uh, I, I just when you look at us right now, I would I would like to believe. That they're that Florida State is in no way shook by the loss, but rather angered. I mean, I don't think they should feel you know like NC State. We're talking about something in the system that is off, where they're looking around, kind of what is happening? Why are we not moving the ball the way we did a year ago? And for Florida State, you're four and one. You lost a game uh, against a very veteran squad with a very good quarterback, well coached team. Came in here and beat you, and they won the line of scrimmage. I talked about losing the line of scrimmage makes it awfully tough to win football games, and you found a way to win the first four despite having some of those problems uh, that existed. These just expose those problems to a greater extent. You'd like not to see that two weeks in a row. Could happen. Could be, ha you know, you're, you are an underdog. If you go lose the game, it's not shocking. You are an underdog to, to go play there at night against a team that uh, had a much better season than you did a year ago. And I think, frankly, is a probably uh, as good, if not better, team. So, you know, that's, that's, you can't get down on yourself here. You got to correct the mistakes, go play a football game, and hopefully take advantage of the question marks that are surrounding NC State here. And I think you can do it with the quarterback. I really believe this is a Jordan Travis game. All games are heavily dependent on the quarterback playing well. No matter the system you run, the quarterback touches the ball in every play and almost every play, and, and certainly he's he's going to have to play a good game if the team's going to win. That's that's Georgia, that's Alabama, it's whatever. There's greater margins for errors based on how much uh, talent you have around them, of course, and what your offensive principles are, but the quarterback's got to play well. 
Well, you got a guy who has played well. He had his worst game last week, but it still wasn't terrible. I think Jordan Travis's floor has raised immensely, meaning when he plays poorly now, you're still in a position to win a football game. I mean, he's not going to have the kind of game where you're like, geez, you can't win with that. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's going to have those kinds of games. At least I hope not, knock on wood. And I also think that his best can straight up win a game. When he's right and he's making plays and he plays like he did against LSU or you see those moments in time where the decisions are, you know, it, the game is in hand. He's got to make a guy miss. got to keep his eyes down the field, make a big play. He's done a lot of that to the point where I trust him now that he could go win a game like this. I'm going to need him to, to be able to run because I have a suspicion that there are going to be some guys coming free. The delayed blitz is something that NC State uses. Uh, they're very good at disguising. NC State will flood. Uh, they'll do things that I think at times may confuse our offensive line. If that happens, then I need Jordan Travis to make a man miss. Because as you pointed out in reference again to the third and length piece you did, uh, and I was I was glad, you know, this is funny, I read it after the fact, and then when I saw it, I was like, that's my boy. Because when I watched the NC State game, uh, or I watched the Clemson-NC State game again, I was sitting there thinking, my God, they got touchdowns here, here, and here. If he either sees it, yeah. doesn't miss it, and or makes one guy miss on, on an initial blitz because they're willing to take the risk that we're going to get there and you won't get it off. But that's what Jordan Travis is deadly because I can make you miss if I'm Jordan in a phone booth and now you've left the tight end wide open. You've left a crosser, Micah Pittman, wide open. That could be a house call because you're running the risk with pressure. Jordan could have a huge game, both with his feet and his arm here. This could be a game that on Monday we're talking all about the plays that Jordan Travis made that were winning plays, that were difference makers, that changed the game. Yeah, understanding that sack yardage is tacked off against the total rushing for an individual player, quarterback in this case, obviously. Uh, with that said, what do you think Jordan Travis' high rushing total is for this season in a game, one game? Oh, it's not high. Uh, less than, uh, I don't know, 40? Yeah. 31 yards. Okay. So, yeah. 40. Eight carries. Again, a sack or two's in there, I'm sure. Yeah. 31 yards against LSU. Yeah. The other games, Louisville was cut short 10 yards. BC didn't need to. 16 against Wake, two yards. Yeah. I mean, no, he hasn't had last to. year he broke 100 yards at least twice, and then he was up over 60 or 70 in many right. other occasions. You know, if not now, when for this one? But well, talking that, about now is the time. Yes. Yeah, it's got to be. Well, these this, next two games, this two week sequence here, because then you get the buy and yeah. Georgia Tech to run some other stuff and and then get ready to go for Miami. But damn it, man, it's got to be now. That's part of the allure, and and I don't think there's a subtext to this, but if there was, I would say that's part of the allure of your draft stock. If you're trying to get paid. It's that you can move and you can run. It's not only about the fact that you can throw, which you're way better at this year, and there are some downright awesome throws. That first touchdown last week to Micah Pittman is an absurdly good throw yes, in the red zone. Yeah, that yeah. window is so tight. But you have got to be able to run the football, too. It's got to be a part of your, of well, your repertoire, and this is it, man. And as much as I have complimented Jordan Travis this year for the growth that he has shown in his overall game, and I have credited him for the hard work that he's put in, the patience that he has. Technically, he's a better passer, too, by the way. I haven't brought that up a lot, but if you look at the way he executes throws now, it's much better form. All of these things, his footwork is better. Everything is better about Jordan Travis. But I'm never going to mistake him for being an elite pocket passer consistently. 
Like, I, if, if I have to say that we get into a game where Jordan Travis can't use his legs at all and he just has to throw from the pocket and throw from that platform and beat you by hitting small window throws forever and a day, well, he's going to have good days and bad days. He's not going to be wildly consistent right. there. He's but not, he is capable of doing it now where he was not before. The evidence com- is out That's there. why I've praised him. But yeah. you don't want that to be the only trick in the bag because yeah. you have this other thing. You're an elite runner. Most pocket passers that are capable of consistently stringing together pinpoint accuracy-type games to win from the pocket cannot do what Jordan Travis does with his feet. So, for me, Jordan just had to get a lot better at being an accurate thrower from the pocket, and he's done that. Marry it with your feet, man, and you become special. So, this is a game where if he's healthy, and again, I don't know that. I don't know how healthy he is. He didn't look like a guy that could really turn it loose in the run game um, last week because he had a couple of opportunities and either chose not to run Yeah. Or when he did, he didn't He didn't even look as mobile as he did the week before, which well, was surprising to me. And that's the hard part about handicapping a game like this because if you're a defensive coordinator, you're prepping for DJ differently than you're prepping for Jordan Travis. So they might not be as aggressive because they know if one guy misses, things are in trouble. With DJ, it might be a 20-yard run. If, they're, if they've got nobody behind a blitzer, 20 yards, 25 yards. Yeah, it's 45 Jordan, to 50 yards. It could be a house it call. It could be a house call. Yeah, you saw the North Carolina game a year ago. Like It's just like he takes off. You're like, oh, well, goodbye. He makes the one guy miss and look like an ass, and then it's just peace. That's Yes, that could happen here. That could happen here with the way NC State plays defense and how aggressive they are. And that's I'm hoping that happens. I, it needs to happen. That'll cool your jets for a second there if you're, if you're a defensive-minded club and you have a game plan, and this guy – bastardizes that within minutes because he makes that first guy miss. Yes. In general, too, this is the time to run those plays. Even if you don't want to establish something out the gate, you know, to use as a counter later in the game, if you run one play and you run one option of one RPO or whatever, read option, Mm. seven times so far this season on film, this is the game to break out the other version, the other other option Mm -hmm. in that play. NC State wants to get downhill and make tackles. That's the other thing where you can use the night atmosphere against them. A defense is going to be... Oh, they'll be hyped beyond reason. The the decibel levels being what they are, they want to go make that play, get you off the field with a three and out or a turnover the first drive, use it against him. Mike is very adept at doing that, though. I'm, I'm not thinking that he won't be prepared to do that. I made the good decision to go to bed early last night. I made the bad decision to not trust my instinct and bet the under of those two garbage teams. Uh, and so I'm mad at myself a little bit. But what I'm more uh, happy about is, uh, you know, we've, we've had a good time at Russell Wilson's expense the last couple of years because of the uh, – the bizarro world he finds himself in and the fake-ass image he continues to portray. And and it gets exposed again last night in addition to his horrific play. But to see a dude like K.J. Hamler just decide to show up his quarterback <laughs> and fire his helmet off the ground and kind of treat him like a second-class quarterback in that league is amazing. Uh, and then to hear some of the comments, you're like, it's all unraveling. It's pretty funny to watch. I mean, Cortland Sutton did that to him a couple weeks ago, and I was watching, and I was like, man, you know, that doesn't ever happen to, like, say, Aaron Rodgers. Like, a receiver 
could run and be wide-ass open, yep. and Aaron Rodgers misses him or doesn't see him or overthrows him or whatever, he, they're not going to show up their quarterback like that. It would never happen to Tom Brady. It didn't happen to Peyton Manning. It doesn't happen to guys that are Hall of Fame players that are making $300 million because they're respected by those other players. Even if they don't want to hang out with them, right. they respect them. Well, and there's also the, the, the two-way street. Like, yes, Tyreek Hill would never do that to Mahomes no. or Kelsey to Mahomes, but Deshaun Jackson did that to Matthew Stafford, and they said, the hell with you. You're gone. Yeah. We'll win a title without you. Yeah, goodbye. And, and they were right. Yeah, so those kinds of things are hilarious, right, when you see that. So that tells you there's so much more going on than just how mm-hmm. poorly he's playing. They hate his ass. Yo, Russ, you know how much space I had on that play? Unlimited. <laughs> Oh, and then he had the nerve to do the let's ride in the post game. You're like, what are you doing, you clown show? What? You are a mess. That disingenuous nonsense. You better play at a Hall of Fame level if you're doing that. You can't play like that and be a clown. Then you got Texas A&M fans calling in death threats. I mean that is a weird. That, that was a weird call. That guy was was that's a spooky call. That would hey man, what he are we doing here? Working up the gusto to say it at the end too. He's like he made a choice. He's like, am I going to say this? I'm going to say it. Well, for those that missed it on the ridiculous redneck extravaganza that is Paul Feinbaum's nonsense, a uh, fan called in and said um, that basically it's cheaper to hire a hitman than it is to pay Jimbo's buyout. To say that tensions are boiling over. <laughs> Situation at Texas A&M is a is an understatement. Florida State's full schedule for basketball has been updated with tip times and TV coverage. I'll touch on it very briefly on a libations Friday. Chef Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio Warchant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And away we go. Live Nation's Friday rolling on. Good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Lee Sterling set to join us in just a moment. We'll go that route and uh, have some fun talking games for this weekend. Tampa Bay and Cleveland underway there. It's weird. I feel like a little kid again. Back in my youth, Tom, we used to watch playoff baseball in the middle of the afternoon. You had playoff games that were not always immediately thrown on at 8 o'clock at night. You could just tune into a baseball yeah. game when you came home from school. It was the best. Like pennant series games, yeah, World Series big. games. Well, yeah. I don't want necessarily World Series games to be played in the middle of the afternoon, admittedly. I'm just saying that's what you experienced. I did. Yeah, it, it did exist. It was a weird thing. 52, 53. No, stop it. Stop it. No. Yeah, in fact, if you go back when I was 8 years old and the Pirates won the World Series against the Orioles, uh, there's a gate. When you, when you look at the highlights of that series, it was a great series, seven-game series, but when you go back... The field is in shambles. You're looking at, like, where Baltimore played, there's mud halfway into the outfield. It's all ripped to shreds. Like, they didn't manicure these things the way they do now. It looks like you look at the footage of that, you're like, are they playing, like, at the local 
why? Like right outside that little field there for a little league? It's crazy. Other than it's big, it's just it's funny. All right, let's get to Lee Sterling. Paramount Sports joins us every week at this time. Hello, Lee. How are you, brother? I'm good. You know what? You left out one thing. Hmm. You left. You left out. You said you went home and you watched afternoon baseball. Yeah, yeah. You left out that you skipped school. <laughs> Occasionally, yes. If there was a big enough game, I did. Yeah, yeah, and it was fun to do so. Right? You felt like you were getting away with something. Yeah, loved it. I mean, did you fight with your your, your dad always about having to go to bed at halftime? Oh, sure. Football? Yeah. Well, here's what's cool. Like when when I got old enough, and he could see how passionate I was about sports. There'd be certain games that he knew they were big that you had to watch. So he would give me this look in front of my mom, kind of like because I had a TV in my room, and and he'd be like, "Go to bed," and then he'd kind of wink at me, like, "Go ahead." Yeah, he'd know I was going to watch the game. Yeah, which was cool, which I always appreciated. Ooh, home run, two run homer, Cleveland. Uh, there it is. I'm not even watching. <laughs> Got it on in the background. Um. Alabama's giving a huge number to an absolutely uh, dysfunctional unit in Texas A&M who's now got more injuries to add upon the woes of whatever's going on in that locker room. Would you give 24 to Texas A&M? I wouldn't. So here's what happens on Sunday nights. Well, Sunday afternoons, about 5 o'clock. I sit down, and as I'm watching games... You wait for Circa to drop the lines. (laughs) Yep. I I, I estimate what I think the line should be. And then what it is. So I thought it should be about 15 and a half, 16. And I said it's going to be 20 and a half, 21. They made it 24 and it hasn't budged. So Bryce Young is 75, 80%. And uh, A&M last year, before this game, they had scored only 10 and 22 points against the same two teams, Arkansas and Mississippi State, before they erupted for 41 you know what? I think I think we might see a total shock, and Connor Wegman ends up playing some. I don't know whether they put him in and he rotates or for a few plays. I, I, I think he's got something up his sleeve, does Jimbo here. He's backed in a corner, and he's got nothing to lose here. And their defense, people talk about, you know, oh, Alabama. A&M's athletes on defense, right there with Alabama's. And, you know, they've been recruiting the same kids and – getting the same type level kids the last couple of years. And D.J. Durkin, the defensive coordinator, was at Ole Miss. He knows all the concepts. He just now has better athletes at A&M here. I think Alabama's good, but this is not one of their top five teams of all time. Alabama wins 34-20, but I'm not playing this game just based on blind revenge. I'm I'm kind of torn on this uh, situation as well. I There's a part of me – I'm not going to play the game, Lee. I'm in agreement with you. Okay. But one thing I would tell you – I just don't know. It, short of what you described with stuff up the sleeve, I don't think with the injuries that Texas A&M can score. And that's why I worry about it. Like, I could see this being 27 to nothing. <laughs> could be. Okay, I mean, you know, just where you're like, well. Like, I, I just, I think, I think Jimbo's going to have him ready. You know, you know, they could turn the ball over four or five times. Right. You know, strange stuff could happen. But I think they're going to come to play, especially on defense. Is North Carolina a live dog against your Canes at three and a half? Because I think they are. Okay, I think they're begging you to play North Carolina. I think they are too. Okay, but and I've been pretty right on. I've gone against Miami the last couple games. I think I went back and watched North Carolina's game against Notre Dame. Their defense is horrendous, awful, awful. I, I mean, so I was grading guys, and I graded their players in that game. Only one kid came out in the top half in, in college football in his position. 
and uh, they just the kid's name is Cameron Kelly. I don't know if you remember him. He was at Auburn, mm-hmm. transferred there last year. They're linebackers. They list him at like two fifteen, two twenty. I think they're like two oh five. What happens when you're light? You have to take a chance as a linebacker. You can't just you can't take on blocks, right? Yeah, so you're going to take you're going to say, oh, I'm going to take a shot that he goes this way, the running back, and it's creating some huge holes for running backs. If Miami's smart and they're not on the level, their offensive line, as far as being with with Notre Dame, they run the ball, and also tight ends have a lot of success against North Carolina, and that's where Miami is strong. I, I think that their quarterback is incredible. I, I think he's really good. Oh, May is a real good player, yeah. But uh, I'm going to say Miami pulls off the shocker here, 34-30. Well, it, uh, yeah, I guess it's a shocker. I mean, they are favored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lose the shocker if you win. So. Um, and, and, and I think, you know what, it's going to boost attendance. They're going to go from 18 to 24. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, out of nowhere, Missouri – had every right to be in that game with Georgia. That wasn't a fluke. They played well. They looked yep. good. They're not good. I don't know how that came from, but they played well. Does Florida cover 10.5? I, I don't know what to think of this game. Okay, so they gave A-plus efforts the last year. They did. They should have beaten Auburn. I mean, literally inches away in the – He's walking in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, craziest bounces. They can't get a break to save their lives. How about this? Florida's 0-8 against the spread the last eight as a favorite here. But they do have revenge for the loss last year, 24-23, when they were in shambles here. Uh, Missouri has trouble against quarterbacks that can run the football. And I think with Florida getting back, a couple of their backup quarterbacks here, they're able to play now, they're healthy enough, I think they're going to take some chances with them. I like Florida, 41-17. NC State began on a Sunday from Circa as a five-point favorite. It quickly went down to three and a half. I'm kind of surprised by that because Florida State has still not had their best defensive tackle back since the LSU game in Fabian Lovett. It finally got exposed. They couldn't blow up that mesh last week, and obviously Hartman had time to throw the ball. What do you think of this game? It's a weird game. Florida State doesn't typically play well up there, uh, but but I do think this is a tougher Florida State team than in years past. I'm, I'm interested in your take on this game. Okay, so when I watched the Clemson game again twice, mm-hmm. and who do you think the two worst players are on their offense? North Carolina State. Well, I've been really surprised that Leary's been bad up to this point, but he was so good a year ago I had high expectations. I know you're not going to say him, but who? No. Two offensive tackles. Okay, well, that's fair. Okay, watch. go back and watch the game from last week. They got beaten up. And also their offensive line, and, and it's obviously partially because Clemson's really good on the defensive line, they've got some studs there. Um, as the game went on, they just couldn't hold them out. So if you guys can get some kind of rush from the outside, I think you're going to do some damage. Leary might be one of these guys that makes a roster and has a really bad senior year. I think he might be a better pro quarterback than college quarterback. So they just also don't have many guys that are next-level guys that can make plays. Yeah. and. That's part of the problem here also. And I think Jordan Travis is going to be able uh, to navigate here. I just don't think North Carolina State has those guys. They used to have uh, you know, an edge rusher, a great linebacker, a great cornerback. They just don't have many guys that are great on the defense. It's scary. I'm calling for the upset. Wrong team favorite. Florida State, 30-26. to 26. Oh, music yep. to my ears, at least for now. I yep. hope you're right. All right, so the Bucks are a bit of a mess in the sense that uh, I, I don't know where Vita Vey has gone. People will just run right at the Bucks. They're a big favorite for an Atlanta team that plays hard. You like eight and a half? Would you give that? 
Maybe he's dating Giselle, right? <laughs> it's, it's an <laughs> ugly situation, yeah. I don't know. Um, here's what's crazy. Tom Brady is amazing at blocking out the noise. I mean, you got to give the guy credit. I mean, at 45 years old, where someone like Russell Wilson <laughs> washed, washed at 33. Yeah. So um, I told people I was watching him even a couple years ago after he came back from injury. Maybe I thought maybe he wasn't studying enough, but uh, Tom Brady is amazing. This defense that got stung for 41, they are really good at stripping the ball. And Cordell Patterson is out. And what does that mean? Well, Tyler Algier is going to step in and get most of the carries. He had a fumbling habit at, at BYU. And the linebackers and the DBs for Tampa Bay stripped the ball. If you can find that as far as fumbles for Atlanta, play the over here. I like Tampa Bay, 37-17. Good. Game of the week, Tennessee on the road against LSU. Uh, Tennessee has gotten off to a great start. In the first half of games, they are electric. How can folks get this game, given three and a half here? Just call 800-400-9741. First 10 callers, I'm going to give them this huge game, Tennessee and LSU for free, 800-400-9741. Even though I lost Denver last night, and it was painful, uh, we are 32-13 and 13 the last four weeks. You want to hop on board, it's not October. We call it October. everything, 297 through October 31st. You want the baseball playoffs. We have 40 more wins and losses this year, 97 bucks. You can get that. Already winning the Cleveland game there. And uh, how about uh, hockey? Hockey, last year number one in the world. The whole season, 797 through June 2023 in the Stanley Cup. Works out to less than $100 a month. Everything's up and available. Love to have you come on board. ParamountSports.com. Always a pleasure, Lee. Be well, brother. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. That's fun every week. Tom and I are going to introduce a new segment on the show on Mondays. So get ready for this this Monday, in which we decide to crown the happiest Power 5 fan base and the saddest Power 5 fan base as it pertains to the weekend's events. It's going to happen on Monday. We're going to have a cheesy sounder. Maybe even I'll go cheesy announcer voice. We'll have something. We'll have to do this, Tom. It'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, It makes sense. I like these little fixed position things where we can look wow. forward to something. Because we had to get rid of Hell to the Naw. Yeah, we did. Copyright. He actually, you know, the late preacher, reverend. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. he. Uh, I know one of our one of our listeners would call him and say, you should hear this segment. They use your music. It's great. Oh, don't do that, guys. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> You're telling on us. Well, and it was a great segment, and it had its run. But A&M has a chance, if this thing goes chalk, to be in the saddest category. If Alabama just decides to lay the absolute wood to Jimbo, then they would be the saddest. That cult would be wondering about maybe spiking some punch. That cult is exactly an apt description. It is uh, terribly troubling. Every time you catch a video from there, you're like, look at these people. This is it's like the folks out in Idaho. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, this is just a little. That yell thing, you know, and, and they're ragging on Appy State for being backwoodsy. I'm like, still self awareness here? <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we a little aware of our surroundings? Oh, man. Yeah, it gets it gets weird in a hurry. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, uh, what do you think? He liked Florida State to win this weekend. Doesn't make it so, uh, but it's it's fun. Uh, and I, I. When he said the two players, I thought left tackle and then whoever their other receiver outside of Thayer Thomas is, but. Yeah, that checks out. It's just that it's hard to know if that's Clemson's defensive line. I was line about to say, versus, lots of problems yeah. for teams facing Clemson defenders. Now, 
No such problems for Wake Forest offense, which, again, there's right. no shame in giving up 31 points to that offense. I don't like it, uh, but I thought we had to win a shootout last week, and we, the offense didn't come to play. Well, one of the things about that, and, and you could see a video after the show's over today, Dominic Robinson breaking down yeah. third down defense yeah. for Florida State. It's really good. You see how often Florida State is either in position to make a play or Wake has really good receivers that are going to make plays. They did A combination plays. of those two things. NC State isn't littered with those guys. They got one of them. And they've got maybe a decent receiver on the edge, but it's nothing like what Wake brought to the table in terms of dudes being able to make one-on-one -on -one plays. Yeah, the problem is Devin Carter is a big receiver. He's their second receiver. That I think that's who you're referencing. Yeah. And he's 6'3", he's thick, and he, he can make – our DBs get bullied. I mean, they do. Uh, and we've seen it in one-on-one -on -one situations where they're in position. The coverage isn't the problem. They just don't get – I mean, I you know what I would say if we were on the roof. Um, just – how I would describe that. And it really We're is... We're being dismissed. Yes, summarily. And it's very disappointing when that happens because at some point there is a real physical element to this game. I'm going to need you to... To take part of that, you know, let's, let's, let's give as much as we're going to get. You're not always going to win, but you can't always lose in those matchups. And that is that is that's something that has kind of plagued us now for a few years. I'm, I'm really looking forward to a very physical corner who understands how to play that way. Yeah, I think Azaria could be that I player a little Sam bit. I think Sam McCall will be that guy. Sam McCall is more physical than Azaria. Azaria is just smoother and more hip pocket, but mm -hmm. he can learn. That can be taught. That athleticism can't be taught from 20. Going to need that. Going to need that. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Pre-game, post-game, no game at all. Anytime is the right time for Zaxby's Platters. Just as long as you're hungry, feed your team with your choice of traditional or buffalo fingers, boneless or traditional wings. If you're having trouble deciding, get the best of both worlds with a sampler platter. Don't forget the world-famous sauce, Zaxby's, satisfying your chicken craving and by the way, you can always order online or in the app. Your Zaxby's, Tallahassee Zaxby's, a proud Golden Chief booster for 17 years. Go Knowles. We get some lunchtime Zaxby's tomorrow. I think that was the wise play. Zaxby's. Wise play. Yeah, yeah. Just ease on into the schedule, the slate for the day. Yeah, you don't want to go leave the abode just before the pregame show. You're getting in the flow of the day. Yeah, no, you got to get that early. Take care of your stuff in the morning. Lunchtime at the latest if you have to, and then you're set. I see an old Kev. Does Jeff say they are kindly moving out of the receiver's way and taking themselves from the situation? No, I describe the assertiveness with which the receiver removes our defensive backs from the situation in such a manner that I cannot repeat here. Yeah, that's the, there is one thing, and I, I hear you. There is a man-on-man -man element to coverage, and sometimes you just get summarily sent away. Yeah, it can happen. But then the problem with the wake scheme that I have, I didn't want to do this on Monday or Wednesday because everybody's talking about they hold on every play. And there was, I mean, wake does hold. That's true. But when you're having to guard an RPO and you've got tight ends and receivers engaging in blocks at five and six yards depth, and you have to worry and honestly consider if you're a defensive back the run or a safety, mm -hmm. that's BS, man. And that's part of the problem with the RPO game and how it's officiated at the collegiate level. Correct. Like, for example, on the fourth and three, late in the game, fourth quarter, fourth and three, you can find this on that video I mentioned earlier from D-Rob, you've got a bunch formation to the right, and then they've got a tight end lined up behind the right tackle. He releases and blocks while the ball's in the air at five and a half yards depth. So Saban addressed this years ago. It's a real, I mean, that's nonsense on a fourth and three. It is indefensible. 
Correct. So part of the problem, and I've talked about this, now we're getting into the fundamentals of the game, how it's played, and how it's officiated. That offense, there's a reason you would never see it in the NFL, a couple reasons, but uh, the, the, the way the game is officiated in the NFL, they will watch this Sunday, watch any NFL game. You see it all the time. It happens a lot on screens. They are really big on flagging illegal men downfield. It happens all the time in the National Football League because it is a huge disadvantage for a defense if you're going to allow linemen or anybody for that matter to go three and four yards down the field to block. There are keys being read by defenders that are run past keys, and they know that inherently if you allow for anybody to go beyond the line of scrimmage at that point and then, you, you know, and then you're able to throw the ball or run the ball, that you have a defender who you've put in conflict and you cannot win. The defender cannot win. Any decision he makes is wrong and is at a distinct disadvantage because of what they're allowing for in college. The rule is different. Fundamentally, it is a different rule in college. You can do it up to three yards downfield. And even then, they're terrible about calling it because when it gets to four to five yards, they still will not call it. And we've gotten away with it, too. So oh, this, right, is, no, this is just the way the game is Offensive played. Offensive coaches have figured out yeah. that these guys are blind to it, whereas in the National Football League, they are locked in on it as a priority. Saban brought this up years ago when he was talking about tempo offenses and some of the things that are bad for the game in his mind and what defenses can and cannot do to help slow that down or what they can do just from a, from a standpoint of uh, concepts, what they're able to do to, to try to stop these new modern offenses. And he said, well, first of all, we could officiate the game better by not allowing illegal men downfield all the time on these RPOs. And he's right, but they don't do it. And I've thought for a long time that if you're going to give defenses a chance to compete again, uh, you're going to have to start enforcing that. And I would make it like the NFL. Yeah, I agree. Just make it uniform, and that's uniform actually and and call it. It's better for the development of the players anyway when they get to the next level. Those that can make it to the next level. Right. But this is an extension of that. You know, Wake Forest does a really good job, by and large, of not crossing over that threshold and being downfield. Yeah, they do. they do. As weird as their offense is, they know they would get flagged for it more because they're doing something goofy. And so, an official, I think, is more apt to throw a flag all damn day to find it too. Right. Right. But this is a this is a group of receivers blocking downfield, and you're assuming, oh my God, it's a run, and they're doing so while the quarterback is in his motion to throw. It's just that has to be legislated out of the game as well. This is it, they're, they're they're related talking points, but they're just a little bit different points of emphasis. Yeah, it really bothers me. I I every I see it every weekend. Every weekend I watch college football. I'm like, well, that's I almost said it. I'm like, well, that's BS. That's that's once again that's BS, and then. Fans will get furious with their defense because they can't hold somebody under 24 points. I'm like, well, well yeah. Ben, in the modern game, they won't allow you to hold somebody. If their offense is any good at all. Now, I mean, there are incompetent offenses like Boston College is right now that aren't going to most days. They did last week, oddly enough. That's an interesting game and an interesting number this weekend. Well, I took Clemson and laid it because I got it at 20 and a half. It's just Halfley has something for Dabo, typically. That's just a strange yeah, because, game, too, because that's a look-ahead spot for them. They're coming off of an emotional home win, then they're coming down to here. There's just a lot of weirdness in the air for that game, and it's a, it's a primetime kick, so they'll have at least 60% of the stands full. Yeah, I hear you. It's a look-ahead, and it's a weird sandwich and all that, but, man, physically sometimes if you can't – I mean, if I can't block you, I know. Then, then we're done talking. Well, this would be about maturity level for DJ because – 
you know, they had trouble scoring 40 points, on, 45 points on Furman, and then they played, uh, who was the team subsequent to that, where it was 37 to 16? I mean, mm-hmm. just kind of weird stuff going on with Clemson. Yeah, it is. Um, we'll see. Uh, I, I I just have a hard time. I thought we overwhelmed them at the line of scrimmage, and I feel like Clemson ought to be able to they overwhelm should. them yeah. at the line of scrimmage. Update, Cleveland leads Tampa Bay 2-1. to one. They are in the seventh inning. Nobody out, nobody on for Cleveland. So, uh, two pitchers doing what we thought they might do in this game, which is dominate. It's been uh, it's been fun to watch. That game's going to be over by the second inning of Director Matthews' well, game. I was just goes about to, to say it is one fifty five. That game started at noon. Yeah, twelve oh seven. Yeah, so they're going to be done in like two and a half hours, two two hours and twenty minutes. This <laughs> is like, whew. hey, this is also the end of the non pitch clock era, folks. Get ready for brisk baseball games next year. Can't wait for that. Yeah, no, and. Games like this that are well played, well executed, and uh, you know this is—it's good for baseball. It is. It's very good. Woo! Uh oh! Didn't see it. Didn't have the uh, stream up. Just came in. Thank you, Bill. Tight end should have a big game blocking and receiving with their active linebackers. I would hope. I think you're right about that too. By the way, um, blocking hopefully. God, I, I if, if Florida State wins, Jordan Travis is going to have a huge game though. He really is. I, he's going to make plays down the field. Hour number two, fourth coming. Jeff Cambridge, ninety-three-three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. 